welcome to the BatmanUniverse.net specials. As you're listening to the second part of three specials devoted to the 60s TV show. If you haven't listened to the first one, go back, give it a listen, it's worth it. But if you don't fancy that, stick with us here. We're going to be going through the movie, we're going to be going through a lot of trivia and facts that you will never have known about the show. And we're also going to be discussing why the show was cancelled. So, stay with us. If you're a big 60s fan, this is where you want to be. Anyway, now we're going to go straight over to the special and join the rest of the guys. And now we're going to talk about the high point of the Batman series, and that's the movie they made in 1966. The basic plot of the film is that Batman and Robin are tipped off Commodore Schmidlamp is in peril aboard his yacht, heading to Gotham City with a revolutionary invention. The caped crusader and his young ward head out upon the Batcopter to investigate the situation. Upon arriving at the scene several miles out to sea from Gotham, Batman lowers himself to board the yacht. However, the yacht disappears upon Batman's contact, and he sinks into the ocean. When he emerges, a shark is gripping onto his leg. The shark repellent bat spray! Robin joins him on the ladder and hands him the shark repellent spray, unleashing the beast's jaws as the shark falls to the ocean. It explodes. Upon arriving at Commissioner Gordon's office, it is deduced that the team of the Joker, Penguin, Catwoman and the Riddler must be behind the kidnap of Commodore Schmidlap, and more importantly, his miraculous invention. Which ones? <gasps> Pretty fishy what happened to me on that ladder. You mean but there's a fish that could be a penguin? But wait! It happened at sea! See? See for Catwoman! Yet... That exploding shark was pulling my leg. The Joker. It all adds up to a sinister riddle. Riddle-er. Riddler? Oh, thought strikes me. They used a hologram of the yacht as a diversion while they kidnapped the real Commodore. Meanwhile, at the United Underworld hideout, their suspicions are confirmed as the criminals mentioned plot the downfall of Batman and Robin. Catwoman adopts the disguise of Miss Kitka, a Russian reporter who begins to date Bruce Wayne. Bruce becomes romantically attached to the reporter, and Catwoman springs a trap upon Bruce, and he is kidnapped by the villains and brought back to their lair. They expect Batman to arrive and save Mr. Wayne, having set a trap for him when he appears, not being aware that Wayne is in fact Batman. Bruce manages to escape from his captors, still believing Miss Kitka to be held captive, so he heads back to the Batcave to regroup. While Batman is away, Penguin demonstrates Schmidlab's invention to the other villains by dehydrating five of his own henchmen. Batman then returns to the hideout with Robin, finding only a bomb and no Miss Kitka. He sends Robin to safety and disposes of the bomb just in time. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Penguin then appears in a very poor disguise as Commodore Schmidlab, which doesn't fool Batman. Penguin is taken back to the Batcave for a retinal eye scan to confirm his identity. Penguin has other plans. He rehydrates his henchmen, who appear within the cave, and attack the dynamic duo. The henchmen are rehydrated with heavy water instead of soft water, and disappear upon contact. They are dealt with very quickly. 
Penguin is then drugged as Batman takes him to Gotham Prison. The Penguin is awoken early and then he attacks Batman and Robin with his own knockout gas. He then steals the Batmobile. Batman had prepared for this, however, and uses the nearby Batbike to reach the Batcopter and pursue the Penguin, leading him to the villains. The villains use Penguin's submarine to enter the United Nations building underground. They meet the Penguin at the building and defeat the security guards with ease. They then proceed with their plan and dehydrate the entire United Nations Security Council. They then promptly return to their submarine before Batman and Robin can stop them. Let's commandeer a taxi. No, Robin. Not at this time of day. Luckily, we're in tip-top condition. It'll be faster if we run. Let's go. Dynamic duo race towards their Batboat and then fire a sonic charge weapon at the submarine to force the submarine to surface. A final fight ensues with Batman and Robin emerging victorious. However, the dehydrated UN Council dust is scattered, leaving the situation with little hope. Batman constructs a dust filter to attempt to separate the particles. He does so and takes the particles to the UN in hope of rehydrating the Council. The Council are successfully rehydrated with one small change. Batman and Robin leave the UN with the world returned to safety once again. Yeah. Right, so that brings us to some of the trivia... Okay, originally, they wanted to do the Batman movie as a pilot for the Batman TV show, but instead was produced between the f- show's first and second seasons. The producers took advantage of the larger budget to have a number of new gadgets like the Batboat, the Batcopter. And shark um, repellent. Yeah, shark repellent also. Um, another, another thing that the movie did was the movie actually got the TV series to go overseas because it introduced Batman internationally to the Batman of the 60s. Julie Newmar did not appear in the film because she did not know about it and had signed on to do another project. By the time she was informed, she could not not get out of the commitment in time to do this movie. So Lee Merriweather starred as Catwoman instead. And then that was the only actual Catwoman that was not that version of Catwoman was the only one that was not in the TV series. And then the last one was, the original trailer includes specially shot footage of the four supervillains outlining their plans for the dynamic duo. Still frames from these sequences are visible when Batman and Commissioner Gordon watched a closed TV update on villains at large. The trailer also includes specially shot footage of Batman and Robin addressing the audience about their first motion picture. <laughs> Everyone, please, please, Emergency. Batman speaking. Warning all of you to brace yourselves for big news. The biggest. Tell them, Robin. Holy superlatives, Batman. It's really exciting. Soon, very soon, Batman and I will be batapulting right out of your TV sets and onto your theater screens. That's right, Robin. Our first full-length motion picture feature in color opens a whole new world of thrills. And here are the dastardly villains. The Catwoman. Oh, you're going to see the perfect crime when I get Batman in my claws. <laughs> the Joker. Have you heard this one? It'll kill you, Batman. <laughs> the Penguin. There are two eggs this wily bird is going to scramble. 
Batman and Robin. The Riddler. Question. Who's going to make the feathers fly and knock Batman and Robin out of the sky? See the new weapons of the Bat Arsenal combat the forces of evil. The Batcopter. The exploding man-eating shark. Holy sardine! The relentless Megaton Magnet. The unholy quartet secret submarine. The Batboat in action. And that's just a sample of the exciting exploits ahead in our first feature motion picture. Holy memoranda, folks. Make a note not to miss it. Good thinking, Robin. Right, so now we're just going to talk a little bit about what exactly we felt about the movie. Was it as good as the show? Um, did we really enjoy it? Was it nice to have all the villains together? What What were our thoughts? I love that part. I loved having all the villains all together. That was like, that was, um, I, I guess, uh, as a fanboy, that's like your all your your dreams to see like all the villains together all at once. So I, I like that aspect of the movie. Um, I loved the I liked the campiness. I I loved it. I loved the I liked how Bruce Wayne and uh, well, it was really Catwoman uh, going through uh, I guess Gotham Park and the Gotham City uh, signal get shined through while Robin and Alfred are following him. That I like that part, that scene too. And Robin, he's he's so afraid of love. He's like, I can't watch Bruce Wayne out on a date. We must turn off this TV, Alfred. And it's all like G-rated action. They're just like kissing. He's like, no, I must respect Bruce's right to privacy. <laughs> and of course, the, the, the famous scene with, where, where, where they do figure out that it's all four of them working together. C. C for Catwoman. An exploding shark pulling my leg. What a joke. <gasps> Joker. <laughs> Riddle. The pain. It was pretty fishy what happened to me. <laughs> and and Miss Kika showing up as uh, well, Catwoman's alter ego of Miss Kika, the Russian. She shows up to the press conference, like, take off your masks. And they're like, no, like, was did she think that it would work? Like, maybe <laughs> if I pretend to be Russian, they'll unmask themselves. Now, um, I, I do have a story to tell, too, and this involves the shark-repellent bat spray. I, uh, I was, as some of you know, I do work in childcare, and uh, we were at the beach, and one of the kids had just saw Jaws, so he's afraid to go in the water. So I, I, I pretended that one of the sun's tan lotion stuff, I said, like, oh, okay, let me just put this sh- sh- shark-repellent spray on you. It's like, that's not real. I'm like, yeah, it was. It was in Batman. It's real. And I showed the clip on YouTube later. So, you know what? He went in the water. He's like, okay. I guess if it was in Batman, it must be real. (laughs) I love that logic. (laughs) Yeah. You see? See, he made the shark explode. So, don't be afraid. Here comes the third one, Batman. Yeah, the movie was great. It was like, um, it's totally, it totally makes sense that they were trying to write it as a pilot because I kind of look at it as my favorite episode of the series because that's all it is, is an, I guess, hour and a half long episode. It's got the same formula and everything. It's just, 
lots more of the same packed into an hour and a half packed into a feature it's pretty great having all the villains together and that that was that was something that was unusual because you never really had more than one villain in an episode so it was kind of like you said a a super sized episode being that it was longer and had more villains but I think that's ultimately what made it kind of fail in the box office was because it was just a longer episode. Yeah. I guess if I had been alive in the 60s and had seen, oh, it's another episode that I'm going to pay for in theaters. You <laughs> <laughs> hmm. can't ignore the awesome scene of Batman trying to get rid of that bomb. I was just going to mention that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And With the nuns and the ducks children. and everything gets the, the way. ducks was the favorite part. He's like, I'm thinking, just throw it in the ocean. But there's like, no. <laughs> they actually referenced that scene in um, Chuck Dixon did Nightwing Year One. And there's a scene where Nightwing's fighting the terrorist, and there's the bomb, and it's about to go off. And he says, it's like Batman used to say, some days you just can't get rid of the bomb. (laughs) (laughs) I also love, one of my favorite moments is when they're stuck to the um, boy out at sea. And then all of a sudden, there's an explosion. And the next thing you see is Batman and Robin are safe, and they're driving off in the boat. It was noble of that animal to hurl himself into the path of that final torpedo. He gave his life for our yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very noble of that animal to give his life for us. Yes. That's got to be my He has an favorite. explanation for everything. And, you know, the, the design for the, the bat boat and the bat copter, those were pretty cool, too. I yeah. like those. I like the boat, especially. That was nice. Yeah. What about the yeah. submarine? Did you like that? Oh, the penguin submarine was awesome. I mean, you can let a criminal buy a nuclear submarine. That's awesome. Yeah. I also loved the bit when um, you find out that the army sold a, a nuclear missile to someone called P.N. Gwyn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they were all happy, right? They were all happy. Yeah, we sold it. Remember the Riddler's, yeah. remember the Riddler's sky writing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yes. A, a ballpoint banana. <laughs> that was great. Those riddles were awesome. It's written something. What does a turkey do when he flies upside down? He gobbles up. Of course. And number two. What way six ounces sits in a tree and is very dangerous? A sparrow with a machine gun. Yes, of course. The Riddler was just great in that movie with his devious little jumping up and down laugh. Yeah, the Riddler's not a villain that I've always really loved in you know regular Batman comics. I mean, he's great, but he's certainly not one of my favorites. But in the show and the movie, I think Frank Gorshin made him my favorite. Oh yeah, I would agree with you there. What's What's interesting is that I get the you said something about the the submarine. A lot of people don't know that that submarine scene was actually filmed in one of the producers' swimming pools. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! <laughs> yeah, they had the 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 model of a of a of a submarine. They were just doing it in the backyard. Yeah, how very fitting. Oh, big budget Hollywood! How I love thee. Yeah, so 
they, they must have spent all their budget on uh, the bad boats and the bad copter and couldn't get any money for you know, an actual set. <laughs> and getting celebrities for the TV show that, well, actually, the celebrities didn't make a lot, we said. Hmm. Susie anyway, um, didn't get a million dollars for her cameo. <laughs> yeah. Right then. So now we're going to look at all the uh, fun trivia and facts that you probably never knew about the Batman show. For instance, did you know that several cast members actually recorded songs tied into the series? I've listened to these three songs, and they're absolutely awful. Awful. <laughs> uh, firstly, we have Adam West, who released a, signal, a single titled Miranda, a country-tinged pop song that he actually performed in his Batman costume during live appearances in the 1960s. We've got Frank Gorshin, who released a song titled The Riddler, which was composed and arranged by Mel Torme, and the track captures Gorsain's insane portrayal perfectly. Riddle me this! What do you call a sleeping bull? Answer! A bulldozer. <laughs> Riddle me this! What, tell me, what, tell me, what's the difference between an elephant and a flea? And Burgess Meredith recorded a spoken word single called The Escape, backed with the capture who played jazz while the Penguin narrated his recent crime spree. Absolutely awful, but worth checking out on YouTube. Batman and Robin had me thrown in jail. And the nitwitted judge said... For the Penguin, no bail. Batman was the first program Burt Ward starred in. Burt Ward had no stunt double in the series. Uh, that one's not true. He had a stunt double, they just never used them. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> in the Return of the Batcave movie, they sat there and said, I had a stunt double, but he was always having coffee with Adam West. <laughs> That's true. Selena Kyle, who was Catwoman's alter ego in the comics, was never used in the series. Because Julie Newmar was appearing in McKenna's Gold, she was unable to play Catwoman in the third season, so Eartha Kitt took over. And Eartha Kitt's Catwoman drove around in a Catmobile. Eartha Kitt appeared in three episodes of the series. Yeah, that Catmobile was pretty tight. Yeah. Um... Burgess Meredith was actually the second choice for the role of the Penguin. Producers had originally wanted Spencer Tracy in the role, but Tracy wouldn't sign unless his character was allowed to kill Batman. (laughs) Obviously, they did not want to kill the main character, so the role went to Meredith. And thank goodness. Batman R.I.P. 1960s. Come on. (laughs) R.I.P. Yeah, we didn't want that. Meredith was offered the part of the Penguin's father in Batman Returns, but couldn't film it because of his delicate health. Oh, that's sad. That would have yeah. been great. The distance from the Batcave to Gotham City was 14 miles. Okay, the Batmobile license plate reads 2F-3567. Robin said, holy, 357 times during the entire series. <laughs> holy ashtray! <laughs> Holy showcase! Holy 
Sorcery. Holy popcorn. Holy often. <laughs> Holy often. <laughs> All the villains were paid $2,500. No more, no less. There were 47 different signs in the Batcave. Bruce Wayne was involved in 19 public organizations, and the Batcave cost $800,000 to build. The Batmobile couldn't travel faster than 45 miles per hour, uh, <laughs> which is very odd. The, the Zelda the Great episode were the first episodes without a fight. The second was Nora in season three. In 1966, Batman was nominated for an Emmy in the category of Outstanding Comedy Series and also Individual Achievements in Sound Editing. Notice Outstanding Comedy Series. The episode The Devil's Fingers and The Dead Ringers, starring Liberace, were the highest rated of all of the Batman shows. The Puzzler episodes were intended for the Riddler, but Frank Garshin didn't want to play the role anymore. These episodes were originally called A Penny for Your Riddles, and they're worth a lot more. Ah, that's cute. <laughs> episode, episode, episode 68, The Catwoman Goeth, was changed from A Stitch in Time to include The Catwoman. Tallulah Bankhead gave her last performance on the show as the Black Widow. She sadly died a little after her last performance, December 12, 1968. Aww. Gotham City's Mayor Lynn Seed is a parody on John Lindsay who served as mayor of New York City from 1966 to 1973. Commissioner Gordon would occasionally speak on the phone to the state's governor, Governor Stonefellow. This is a parody on Nelson Rockefeller, (laughs) who served as governor of New York from 1959 to 1973. And in the Batman series, the Pentagon is not the Pentagon, it is the Hexagon. Very subtle. <laughs> the Catwoman is known to have an additional hideout, Cat Lair West, across the river from Gotham City in New Guernsey, a parody on New Jersey, as Guernsey and Jersey are both islands in the English Channel and breeds of cattle. Gotham's Short Island was a parody of New York's Long Island. <laughs> the three part Londinium episode during Batman's final season, the Londinium Larcenies, the Foggiest Notion, and the Bloody Tower was a series tribute to the swinging London period of the 1960s. Everything British was hot in North America. Many aspects of London were parodied during these three episodes. The city's name was changed to Londinium, which was the British capital's name during Roman times. Scotland Yard became Ireland Yard in the series. Carnaby Street becomes Barnaby Street, Fleet Street, the city's press district is changed to Bleed Street. Now, at the time of the series' original airing in 1966, the character of Alfred Pennyworth had been killed off in the comics, which is why Anne Harriet had been brought in. However, because of Alfred's inclusion in the 1966 series, some speculated that this led to DC Comics reviving Alfred Pennyworth and revealing that he had been the villain The Outsider later that year in 1966. Alan Napier, who played Alfred Pennyworth in the series died in 1988, and some people speculated that Jack Napier in next year's Batman film was named in tribute to him. Right, during the writing of uh, when they were scripting the, the Batman movie in 1988, they believed that they that the, the writer might have scripted uh, Jack Napier's name after Alan Napier, the actor. It is an uncommon name. Yeah. 
And just think, that guy that convinced Alan, go ahead and do this, you'll be the most famous butler in the world. If he hadn't convinced Alan to do this, what would Jack's name be in the Batman movie? <laughs> Jack West. it it, would have been something corny like jack card or something or his name would have actually been joseph kerr (laughs) has anyone else got any trivia to add i know the 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 car that they used for the batmobile the the futura was actually never a car in production it was uh it was just a concept model and uh george bearers had bought the the three concepts that they had on the on the i believe it was uh ford who was the maker uh they had it in their back lot and they just sold it right to him so that car was never an actual production which is why it's so difficult to find replicas exactly yeah it's cool cool batmobile not counting six of the penguins henchmen who disintegrate or get blown up in the associated batman movie only four criminal characters died during the series the riddler's mole molly who accidentally falls into the bat cave's atomic pile <laughs> what a way to go go that was a lot yeah <laughs> A fake Commissioner Gordon who gets shot by the bookworm, and two out-of-town gunmen who shoot at the dynamic duo towards the end of the Zelda the Great episode, but end up killing each other instead. In Instant Freeze, Mr. Freeze freezes a butler, solid, and knocks him over, causing him to smash to pieces. And in the episode Green Ice, Mr. Freeze freezes a policeman, solid. And in the episode The Penguin's Nest, a policeman is electrocuted by Penguin's accomplices. It is unclear if these last two characters survive or not. Anyway, now we're going to move on and talk about how the show ended, why it ended, and it's a very sad day that it actually came to pass. As we know, um, it was ob- the show was obviously very big when it started in Season 1. And then when it came along to Season 2... The show was said to suffer from repetition of its characters and its formula. In addition, critics noted that the series' delicate balance of drama and humour that the first season maintained was lost as the stories became increasingly farcical and stupid. This, combined with Lorenzo Semple Jr.'s contributing fewer scripts and having less of an influence on the series, caused viewers to tire of the show and for critics to complain saying, if you've seen one episode of Batman, you've seen them all. In season three, by season three, ratings were falling and the future of the series seemed uncertain. A promotional short feature uh, featuring Yvonne Craig as Batgirl and Tim Herbert as the Killer Moth was produced. The short was convincing enough to pick up Batman for another season and introduce Batgirl as a regular on the show in an attempt to attract more female viewers. Batgirl's alter ego was Barbara Gordon, a mild-mannered librarian at the Gotham Library and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. The show was reduced to, to once a week, with mostly self-contained episodes, although the next week's villains would be in a tag at the end of each episode. Similar to a soap opera, according to the narrator's cliffhanger phrases, were uh, eliminated. But most episodes would end with him saying something to the effect of, watch the next episode. By the end of the third season, ABC decided that 
maybe they should cut some costs on this, and they thought about eliminating Chief O'Hara and Robin. You filthy criminal. Batgirl would have become Batman's full-time partner, but um, Dozier and West didn't like this idea, and ABC just thought to heck with it and canceled the show a short time later. NBC offered to pick the show up for a fourth season and even restore it to what it used to be, where it was uh, twice a week with the cliffhangers and everything. However, their offer was weeks later, and by then, NBC uh, it was too late for them because ABC demolished the sets, and it would have cost them $800,000 to rebuild, which was a little too much for them, so the offer was withdrawn. The show that wound up replacing Batman on ABC, that would be the second hundred years. Do you remember it? Neither do I. So, smart move on ABC's part. A dark day for some Batman fans and a day of celebration for others. And, you know, what's the, the funny thing is that we could have had it continuing on if, um, if M, uh, NBC had just acted quicker. Hmm. But would it have been, you know, had it had its run, you know, was there a lot more to do with it, really? Because I've seen some of those season three episodes, and they are pretty weak compared to the uh, first couple of ones, you know? Well, better better writer, better script. I mean, you can compare it to Batman and Robin compared to Batman Begins, who had the better writer. <laughs> so if you get some better writers in there, you know what I mean? It could have probably succeeded, so... I mean, who knows? Just that, that whole idea of eliminating Robin and Chief O'Hara... I wonder how that would have gone and if they would have followed suit in the comics because a lot of times when something major happens to a DC character in the TV show, the comics will kind of follow suit. So I want, well, you know, they wound up shipping Robin off to college in the comics a few years later anyway, but will we have had more Batgirl then? So once Batman finished, um, we've got a couple of details about what three of the actors did. We've got uh, Adam West, Burt Ward, and Cesar Romero. And Adam West, after his huge success as Batman, became heavily typecast and found it difficult to find roles anywhere, even leading to drink problems and his marriage becoming ruined. But thankfully, since his marriage to Marcel Tadjandlia in 1972, Adam's life turned round, and since then he has accepted that he is Batman and has done several projects and appearances as Batman since then. In 1994, he published an autobiography entitled Back to the Batcave. Adam currently lives in a villa on the beach near Malibu, far from the sound stages and hectic pace of Hollywood. He continues the active physical schedule of his youth, playing plenty of sport and so on. And at the moment, he has become quite a prominent voice actor, lending his vocal skills to projects such as Batman the Animated Series, where he appeared as the Grey Ghost. He's appeared on The Simpsons, as well as becoming a recurring guest star as Mayor West in Family Guy. Look familiar? More than familiar. It's identical. Look, it even has the Grey Ghost brand name. Better check it for prints. Thanks. Hey, I owed you. You got me my outfit back. I don't forget Fairly Odd Parents. He plays a spoof of uh, Batman and of himself. Uh, Burt Ward runs a char- uh, charity that rescues and cares for abandoned Great Dane dogs. Uh, daughter Lisa, born in 1966. Daughter uh, Mel- Melody, born in 1991, wrote an autobiography titled Boy Wonder, My Life in Tights, in which he describes his experiences on the Batman TV se- series set 
his relationship with co-star Adam West and his sexual escapades with his fans. Ooh. His what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Robin gets around. But <laughs> when asked, <laughs> when asked a speech at Harvard about his role on Batman, he brought the original costume and said to be valued at half a million dollars. Some students came up to him dressed as security guards and told him that they would keep the costume safe. <laughs> then in the middle of the speech, one student stood up and asked, what is a, a costume, not a costume, when it's stolen? <laughs> this really That's happened. Awesome. <laughs> the, the lights dim and the students grab the costume and make it off. After snapping pictures with one another in, in, in the cape, they later called Ward and gave him the costume back. The what the heck? <laughs> the ringleader of the game, Harvard Lampoon editor Conan O'Brien. Wow, my yes, awesome. owner of Brian has just increased. <laughs> what lots the heck? Yeah, I know. I came across that. The part that's <laughs> disturbing is that, like, they took pictures of themselves dressing in the costume. That's kind of a. Well, what else would you do with it? <laughs> Isn't that a. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> that's disturbing, though. <laughs> Well, Cesar Romero went on to play a bunch of cumbling, bumbling corporate villains in a bunch of Walt Disney comedies. One of them he starred opposite a young Kurt Russell. It was called The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes. Fans and critics alike agreed that Romero was a major talent who proved themselves as an enduring and versatile star in an overwhelming variety of roles in a career as an actor, dancer, and comedian that lasted nearly 60 years. With a new appeal to a younger fan base, Romero turned up in three highly popular Disney comedies. We already spoke about the computer that wore tennis shoes. There was also Now You See Him, Now You Don't, and The Strongest Man in the World, where he was a corrupt but inept villain named A.J. Arno. Throughout the remainder of the 80s, Romero kept himself busy, and even at 78 years of age, the lady still loved his charm. And he was cast as Jane Wyman's love interest in the top-rated primetime soap opera Falcon's Crest, where he was playing Peter Starveros from 1985 to 87. Now, Romero stopped acting in 1990, but he kept himself busy hosting classic movie programs on cable TV. A talented and much-loved Hollywood icon, he passed away New Year's Day in 1994 at the age of 86. Man, can you imagine if we had the podcast still in 94? We could try to get an interview. Man. <laughs> we were a tad late. <laughs> Kept busy, though. That's interesting. Yeah, very busy guy. Not as well, busy as Burt Ward, though. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Robin. They were meant to be quite big, you know, sort of players when the show was out. Yeah. Adam West went through plenty of girlfriends, I think. I mean, he was a contender for James Bond. Well, we're done for another episode here at the BatmanUniverse.net regarding our 16 specials. That's the second of three done. Next time, we'll be discussing the reason the show isn't released on DVD and what we think about that, as well as reviewing the recent TV movie Return to the Batcave, and we'll be finishing off our specials in style. If you listen to the last podcast, you'll know that there's something waiting after I've finished talking. See you next time, guys.
just do one at a time. We all know the plot by memory, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it an illusion or is it a projection? It was a... It's a, a projection. Yeah, yeah, like he lowered and then it disappeared. I think it was a they hologram. Do, they figure out okay. where it came from. They're like, from the pier or something like that. Right. So it must be a oh, projection. Wait, so, so, I see. Holy ba- sardine! Batman dis- ba- ba- yeah, <laughs> holy sardine. Who's she? Julie Newmar. Julie okay. Newmar. Julie Newmar was in the movie, or I shouldn't say movie because I don't know what it is. What is that, Reg? Registration. The episodes <laughs> The Devil's Fingers and The Dead Rangers starring Liberace. Dead, uh, dead, dead, it's Dead, dead Ringers. Oh. The three part Londinium episode during Batman's yes, final. Londinium? About London. Okay. It's weird how they spell it. Okay. At the time of the show, every British was hot in North America. Oh, that's a, everything British, not every oh, British. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A mild, mild, dilemma. Like that first episode, she's like, "I want okay, you to okay, date okay, my." Okay, 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 okay. We're getting off on tangent. We're not talking <laughs> about the animated series. <laughs> <laughs> because I know you, Josh. You can talk about this for another twenty minutes. Yep. <laughs> All right, moving on. Batman to Coast Guard. Batman to Coast Guard. There's a drifting submarine two miles east of Sandy Nose Lightship. It's filled with human jetsam.